Are you alive this morning, church? All right. Are you alive in Jesus Christ? Are you alive in the Spirit of God? All right, let's act like it this morning. It's Pentecost Sunday. It's a day where we're here to worship Him. Praise God. Praise God. Bow with me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, through your Holy Spirit, breathe today. Breathe on us. Breathe new life into us. God, if we've been acting like a bunch of dry bones, I pray you would breathe on us and, and flesh would appear on those bones and we would stand on our feet and we would come up out of the valley, God, and we would be a mighty army for you. But it's only through your spirit that that's going to happen. And so, God, we invite your spirit into this place today. We acknowledge that your spirit is sovereign. We acknowledge that your spirit is the Lord. We acknowledge that we need your Holy Spirit today. God, my words are not good enough for what needs to be said here, Father. So I pray that your spirit would speak through me. And God, I pray that you would open hearts if hearts are are hard if hearts are closed God I pray you would open them up so that your light could get in your word could get in your spirit could get in and do your work God Lord I pray today somebody would be filled by the Holy Spirit Lord that's really why we've come here today that's our goal that's our objection today that's our, that's our what we want to see happen God I pray that you would fill somebody with your Holy Spirit God, maybe several somebodies or many somebodies. That would be great, God. But you did it once on the day of Pentecost. You can do it again. You have not changed, God. There's nothing different about you. You want to do it, God. And so we give this time to you, God. We, we want you to have your way. We want to get ourselves out of the way, our thoughts, our preoccupations, God. And we want to just be totally submitted to your will today. Lord, the offering we take up to, to help church planning, I pray you would bless that. You would bless those that give to that. And then later today, God, those of us who are members of this church are going to vote on some important things, God. And we pray that you would be in that and your wisdom would be given to us, God. But Lord, right now, we don't want to focus on any of that. We want to focus on you and what you have for us. So God, help us to get what you have for us today. Lord, we love you. We praise you for Jesus. We thank you for Easter. We thank you for the empty tomb. But Lord, we also thank you for Pentecost, the day of Pentecost where your spirit fell on your people. Do it again, God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated, church. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. Hey, we got a lot going on this Sunday. I'm telling you, Pentecost Sunday is fast becoming one of my favorite Sundays. I mean, I, I love Easter Sunday. I love the Sunday that falls closest to Christmas. But man, I really love Pentecost Sunday because it's the birthday of the church and it's a time where we can celebrate. Uh, by the way, on the way out, we got some birthday cake to help because we want this to be a celebration. We want this to be a day where we rejoice in what God has done. And if you like me, some good food will help you do that. So we got some birthday cake on the way out the door. Grab a piece of that. Help us celebrate. We prayed over it. All the calories are out of it. And no fat, nothing like that. It's, it's, it's holy cake now. So go ahead and get a piece of that on the way out the door. Um, 
one thing before I forget it, another exciting thing that's going on here today is we've had some people who, bless their hearts, they've spent about 18 weeks with me in our membership class, and uh, they've survived, they've lived to tell about it, and hopefully they're not any worse for wear, but they are wearing yellow shirts this morning, bright yellow shirts, so you can pick them out among all the red. They are the yellow part of our flame today. A lot of the others of you wore red for Pentecost Sunday, and that's great as well. But anyway, these... Ladies and gentlemen have joined our church. They're already on our roll. They'll get to participate in the vote today. We just wanted to wait till Pentecost Sunday to introduce you to them and, and let you know that they are part of the family. So if you're one of our new church members, would you stand? We won't make you come to the front. We'll be nice to you. But uh, if you'll stand so everybody can see who you are. All right. See these folks here? Praise God. Praise God. Welcome to the family. You can be seated. Your your job today is to go and find them. And do you remember, I don't know if your church did this, but back in the day we used to do, we would walk by and we'd give the right hand of fellowship. We, we don't really do that anymore, but we still want you to come up and, and say, tell them welcome and welcome them to the church family and, and greet them. So that's your job before you leave church today. When one of your jobs is to get a piece of cake. Another job is if you're a member, you need to vote with us and everybody else make sure you welcome these folks to our church family god has really blessed us with a great group we welcome some others in the early service and i just believe god's going to bring a whole lot to rushwood church through these folks and so we just praise god so much for them well last year we looked at acts chapter 2 on pentecost sunday and that is the classic Pentecost text. It is the text that records what happened on the day of Pentecost. And so we went through that last year. We unpacked a little bit about what Pentecost is all about, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's what we looked at. But I didn't want to go back there again this year. I wanted to go someplace a little bit different. And there's actually a text in John chapter 20. If you want to turn there with me, it's John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. John chapter 20. Hey, you know, it would be a really good habit for all of us to start bringing our Bibles when we come to worship. It can be a hard copy. It can be on an iPad or a phone. I don't care. But we want you to bring your Bibles with you so you can take notes and so you can actually see that what I'm saying. I know we have it on the screens for you, but you can actually see that what I'm saying is actually the Word of God. That would be a really good habit. And if you take notes, then maybe in times to come you can look back and say, wow, I remember when I learned that. And God can work on you all over again through His Word and through the preaching of His Word. But we're in John chapter 20, looking at verses 19 through 23. Again, not the major text on the coming of the Holy Spirit, but a very important one that doesn't always get a lot of play in churches. John 20, 19 through 23, God's Word says this. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, what day are we talking about? We're talking about Resurrection Sunday, okay? The, in the morning, Jesus had rose from the grave victorious. Mary Magdalene had already had an encounter with him. John and Peter had gone and found that the tomb was empty, and the Bible tells us that they believe. So it's still the same day as Easter Sunday. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst. Stop and just think about that. 
Stop and just think. You're worried about the Jews. You're worried about those who killed the Savior. You're thinking, man, they're going to do the same things to us that they did to Jesus. And then you find out he ain't dead after all. They ki- Boy, there should have been an amen, a yeah. There should have been something there. He's not dead after all. He's still alive. They thought they defeated him, but he overcame them. So Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. The Prince of Peace speaking words of peace to his people. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. Have you ever heard that the only things man made in heaven are those marks on Jesus? They're the only things man made in heaven are the marks of the crucifixion that are on Jesus. When he said this, he showed them both his hands and his side, and the disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Can you imagine how they rejoiced, church? Can you imagine how those guys acted? Here they are. They, they weren't witnesses, but they had seen him arrested, except for John, who was actually there at the crucifixion. But they heard what happened to him. They knew what crucifixion was all about. They knew their Lord had been crucified. And then the, they spent Saturday wondering, was he telling the truth when he said, destroy this temple and three days later, I will raise it up again. Talking about his body, speaking about his resurrection. They're wondering, is this true? They're wondering, is there any hope there for them? They're wondering, was Jesus really the Messiah? Was he really the Savior of the world to come? They're wondering all this all day Saturday. Then Easter Sunday morning, they hear that there are rumors of resurrection, rumors that he has come forth victorious from the grave. And so there are a little bit of excitement there, but they just, you you know how sometimes you want to get excited, but you don't dare let yourself get there. You know, you you don't want to get too excited. You don't want to get your hopes up too much, so they're dashed. And so they're kind of at this point. And then all of a sudden, Jesus appears and speaks to them. And the Bible tells us that he they rejoiced. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. If you're a sports fan, you know when you're watching your team and maybe they're they're against their their arch nemesis or whatever, and they're down a few points, and maybe they come in with a touchdown right at the end to win the game, or or maybe they hit a three-pointer from half court to win the game, and all of a sudden you thought you were defeated, but now you know there's victory, and you I don't know about you, but at that sort of time I jump up and I run around, yeah, woo, high five everybody in the room, celebrate party you know that's why you know these disciples did that and then some and if there were chandeliers in this room i believe they were swinging from them i mean these guys had to be just exuberant the lord is risen here he is he's not dead he's appeared in the flesh to them he has come out victorious over the grave and so they're they're partying so much they're so excited they're so rowdy jesus has to say it to them twice Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. In other words, all right, guys, cool. I'm glad you're excited that I've risen, but calm down just a little bit. Calm down just a little bit because i got to talk to you. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you've forgiven the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Receive the Holy Spirit. 
Most theologians will tell us that this is not the moment when the disciples received the Holy Spirit. The moment when the disciples received the Holy Spirit was on the day of Pentecost in the upper room. 120 of them gathered together when, when fire, cloven fire divided and, and, and was lit above their heads. That's when the disciples received the Holy Spirit. What Jesus was doing here was symbolically and prophetically predicting the coming of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit was there for them, that there was a power that was going to get a hold of them, and they were going to be sent out into all the world to preach the gospel. And man, since that day, 120 in the upper room, it spread throughout their immediate area, and it spread to Africa, and it spread to Europe, and, and then it spread to Asia, and now it's spread to the new world. And, and the gospel of Jesus Christ has gone around the entire world since that day because of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is telling them, look, it's good, guys. You've seen me. You've believed in me. You know I'm alive. You know I've risen. But there's something else out there for you. There's something even better that's out there for you, and that's the coming of the Holy Spirit. Here's my thesis this morning. Here's my preaching point this morning. God doesn't just want us to have the Holy Spirit, but God wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. God doesn't just want us to have the Holy Spirit, but God wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Two different things. Two different things. Let me explain, go through that a little bit. By the way, you say, Brent, how do you know that God wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, I can tell you by looking at the New Testament, especially the book of Acts, but some of the epistles and other places, God wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit because He filled people with the Holy Spirit back then especially those that were called to do His work, especially those that were doing His work in, in dangerous areas or new areas. God filled them with the Holy Spirit to their task. And if you look at church history, you'll find out that believers all throughout church history were filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, 280 years ago this week, there was a, a young man who was on what he thought was his deathbed. He thought he was dying. He had pleurisy, which, you know, is fairly treatable now, but could be a death sentence back then. And he was really weak, and he was having trouble breathing, and he was in a lot of pain. And a group of Moravians came around, Moravian Christians came around and said, we won't leave your bedside. We will pray for you until God raises you up. And 280 years ago on Pentecost Sunday, uh, uh, this young man not only was healed, from his disease, healed from what he thought was going to be his deathbed, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit. His name was Charles Wesley, the brother of John Wesley, who went on to write hundreds of hymns and traveled thousands of miles on horseback preaching the good news about Jesus Christ. And on Pentecost Sunday, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He received the Holy Spirit. He received his healing. He received power. He received purpose. He received everything he needed. So that's one reason that I believe God wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But another reason is His Word. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 says this very clearly. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. I'll preach on that sometime later this year. I ain't going to tell you when because you won't come, but I'm going to preach on that sometime later this year. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you know grammar, that's in the form of a command. 
it's not you should be filled with the Holy Spirit or you might want to be filled with the Holy Spirit or some believers will be filled with the Holy Spirit. No, it's a command that all believers be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a command of God through uh, His Word. Be filled with the Spirit. You know, there's some people who teach that when, when we're saved, that's the point where we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And I will grant you, I believe that some believers maybe in some certain circumstances, are filled with the Holy Spirit upon conversion, upon their de decision to follow Jesus Christ. I mean, we have the astounding ex example of John the Baptist. The Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit even from the womb. Even before he was born, God had filled him with his Holy Spirit. But that's not the rule. That's an exception. What I believe happens with most people is when we become Christians, when we decide to follow Jesus, when we're converted, we receive the Holy Spirit. He comes into our lives. He indwells us. He becomes part of us. We're marked by Him. And that's a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. That's one of the best days you can possibly have. How many of you remember the day that you became a Christian and the Holy Spirit came into your life? How many of you can testify to that just by raising your hand and saying, yeah, God's done that for me. I've been there and I've done that and I've got the holy t-shirt to prove it. I mean, he, He's done it all for me. I remember that day as well. But most of us, I don't believe that's when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe that's when the Holy Spirit begins to come into our lives. But there's a difference in having the Holy Spirit and in the Holy Spirit having you. Two different things. Receiving the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit, I believe, are two different things. And I've experienced both of them in my life, and I praise God for both of those times. And I was talking to a, a gentleman this morning after early service, and he said, I know what you're talking about. He said, because the day that I was filled with the Holy Spirit, he said, I got down and I, I prayed and I sought God and I, I sought Him in a new way. And he said, I, I believe I, I remember that better than the day I was saved. It's so clear to me. Keith Green, the great gospel singer, the great Christian musician, said that when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, it was like being born again again. Love the way he put that, and I know exactly what he's talking about. But I thought this morning maybe I could give you guys a visual image, an object lesson that will help you understand the difference in receiving the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. This glass this morning represents a normal person, average person, any, anybody in the world, because I believe Jesus can save anybody in this world. No matter what their sin is, no matter what they've done, he can save us if we'll repent of our sins and if we'll come to Him in faith. But when we receive Jesus Christ, when we are converted, when we start to follow Him, we receive the Holy Spirit. This water this morning represents the Holy Spirit. It's just, By the way, it's just plain water. I'm not doing any magic tricks. It's not going to turn colors. It's not Sprite or something like that. It, it's water this morning, okay? So there's no trick coming. But the water in this picture represents the Holy Spirit. When we receive God, when we start to follow Jesus Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit in our lives. He is in our lives. He is part of us. Before this glass was empty, before this glass was only defined by being a glass, there was nothing in it that really defined it. But now that we've poured water into it, we would call this a glass of Water. We would call this a glass of water. Thank you guys that are, are, are awake with me this morning out there. Glass of water. It's defined by what's in it. If we were to go around this room and if I said to somebody, hey, I want you to go into, into the worship center 
and I want you to collect every single glass of water that you find, we would take that, right? Because it's a glass of water. It's defined by what's in it. It now has water present in it, and so it became, instead of just a glass, now it's a glass of water. Just like when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, we went from being just a regular person to being marked by His Holy Spirit. We are now a Christian. Once we've accepted Him, once we have repented of our sins and decided to follow Him, we are marked by the Spirit that's placed within us. And so we are now a Christian. Now we are defined by that. But if I was to be really technical this morning with this glass of water, and so we're going to get technical here for just a minute, is this glass full of just water? If we're really technical. No, it's not. What else is in that glass of, wa of water? It's also a lot of air, isn't it? I mean, you can see that the water is filling up at just about halfway, a little bit below halfway. But from that level to the top, there's a lot of air in it. There's a lot of not water still left in this glass. It's still water. It's still defined by, by being filled with water at least part way. But it's still, it's not completely full. And there's a lot of other stuff in here. This represents salvation. This represents when you come to Jesus. This represents when you're converted. And he pushes a lot of junk out of your life. When you get saved, all of a sudden you find out some of the stuff that really was important to you, some of the stuff that had its claws in you that you couldn't get, get, couldn't get loose of before, all of a sudden you're loosed from those chains and you have new freedom. But you're going to find that, yeah, praise God, that's a good day, right? When that happens, that's a good day, that's a good time, it's a memorable time. But you still may have a lot of air in your life. You may still have a lot of not God in your life. And so the command of Scripture is not just to receive the Holy Spirit, but it's to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so if we keep seeking God and if we keep walking with Him and if we keep surrendering parts of our life to Him, and as He keeps revealing things in our lives that may not be the best things for us, the best things in the world, as He reveals those things, we start to surrender more and more of ourselves to Him. And I truly believe that He comes back in and does a second work of grace in us. Subsequent to salvation, subsequent, subsequent to conversion, He comes back in and He does another thing in our hearts and He fills us with the Holy Spirit. And so now it's not just that we have received the Holy Spirit, but He is filling us with the Holy Spirit. And He doesn't do it halfway. If we'll let Him, if we'll get out of His way, He'll fill us on up to where we just kind of overflow onto everything else. He'll fill us up to where we spill on to other people. Yeah, I know it's getting on the carpet. I don't care. I'm making a point here this morning, which is more important than this carpet. He'll fill us up all the way to the top. And we'll be so full that everybody's going to know we're full. And they're going to just see the Spirit coming out of our life. And we're going to affect other people. And we're going to affect the world around us. This is filled with the Holy Spirit. It's different. It's different. It's a whole new level. I had to wipe my hand off on my shirt there. It, he overflows our life into other people. He overflows our life into this world. And man, where before was great, if you've been saved and you thought that experience was great, being filled with the Holy Spirit is a whole new level. It's a whole new level. It's a day, I'll never forget the day I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I'll give you this morning my Holy Spirit filling testimony, if you will. I was 19 years old. I was a student at UNCG, and I was studying to be an art teacher. I was in an art education program, and uh, I, I was sophomore year. And this church was going on a youth to a youth convention 
in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I was aged out of youth, but I was still a youth sponsor. I would come back and I would work with the kids that were in the youth group and try to help them and, and kind of be a mentor to them. But all, the whole time this was going on, I had this fight going on in my heart. I had this wrestling going on in my life because I knew about 15 years old, God started to make it clear to me that I was supposed to be a minister of his gospel and that he was calling me to preach and he was calling me to take the good news about Jesus not just as a, as a thing that I do as part of my life, but as the very center of my life. And I was wrestling with that because I was shy and I didn't know what people would think about me. And I had all these issues with that. And so I was wrestling with it. And, and, and we were going to have several days where we were at this youth convention. And I was going to be part of it as a mentor, chaperone, whatever. We called it a youth sponsor. And I thought, well, this will be a good time. I'm just going to ask God, God, if you're really calling me into the ministry... If you're really asking me to be a preacher of your gospel, God, make it clear to me during this time. God, I, 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 if, you, if you don't make it clear to me during this time, I'm going to go back to North Carolina. I'm going to go back to UNCG. I'm going to be an art teacher the rest of my life and do artwork and work with kids. And, Lord, I'll still serve you, but I'm not worrying about this ministry thing anymore because I will have my answer if you don't make it clear to me. And so I was wrestling with all this and... And we went to, uh, it was the last night, the last service, last day of this youth convention. Went to the last thing and nothing had happened. I hadn't felt a stirring in my soul at all. I hadn't had a sign. Nobody had said anything to me. We'd heard great speakers. We'd had great worship, all this stuff. None of, nothing had done a thing for me. And I thought, going into this last service on this last night, I thought, well... One more service, and then I'm going to go back home, and I'm not going to worry about this preaching thing or ministry thing anymore because God's not really calling me. You know, I, I could just see what was coming, or so I thought. And so we went into this last worship service on this last night, and I don't remember the name of the worship group that was there, and I don't remember the song that we were singing or anything like that, but I do remember the leader of the worship team said, ask us to stand and praise God. And I remember the Lord spoke to me kind of uh, right behind this worship leader and said, Son, why don't you stand up and praise me? Why don't you stand up and worship me? And look, I'm a 19-year-old guy. Come from a very traditional church background. And a lot of even our youth leaders at that time and everything, they, they weren't as, as much into the worship stuff and worship music and all that. And so standing up and praising God, man, that was something that I just, I didn't know that if I could do that or not. And, you know, I, I found this. I'm going to take a little aside for a minute. I think it's hard for men. I think praising God is really hard for guys. We have people come into this church, and the, the music that we do is praise music. It's music that calls you to praise God. I mean, I, I love hymns. I grew up in that sort of thing and everything. And I can open up a hymn book and I can keep my eyes on that page and I can sing through those hymns and I can be satisfied and everything else. But that's not what our music is doing. Our music, that's one reason we use screens. So you'll look up at the screen so you're singing out. Instead of singing to a book, you're actually singing up. You're actually singing out so we can hear your voice. At least that's how it's supposed to work. But I remember as, as I felt God calling me to praise Him, I had all this trouble stepping out of my comfort zone and praising Him. And I think men struggle with that. Women don't have that much problem. A lot of times women will come into our church and, man, I love your preaching. I love the music. I love everything about this church. And their husband's like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I like that or not. 
I don't know if I like that music or not, you know, and, and it's like this wrestling that they have. And I think what it is is women are natural praisers and men are natural appraisers. Let me explain what that means to you. Women, it's just natural. Women, it's just course of their life. They are good at praising others. If a, if a woman's friend comes up and she's wearing a new blouse or whatever, a shirt or whatever you women folks call those things anyway, if she comes up with a new garment on, she'll say, oh, girl, where'd you get that top? That looks so good. That color looks good on you. Oh, wow, that is your color. That's so good with your skin tone. Oh, have you been working out? You've been dieting, haven't you? You've lost weight. Girl, you look good. And they just praise each other. Now, they might go away and say she's still fat, though. But, but, but to their face, publicly, they're good at praising. Women praise, okay? They, they build things up. Like with kids, Women are so, so good at building their kids up, and their kids can do no wrong. They can be the meanest little kid that God ever created and the devil ever messed with. And, 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 but, oh, that's my baby, and look how that my baby says. They just praise them and build them up. Where men, it's like, oh, you hit five home runs? Why didn't you hit six? You know, we are natural appraisers. I mean, even unsanctified men, think about the way they talk about women. Oh, she's an eight. She's a nine. Ooh, she's a three. You know, I mean, we, we appraise, we criticize, we, we rate, we chop down. That's just kind of how men are. We're not good. If a guy comes up wearing a new shirt, his buddy will say, <laughs> you got a booger on your shirt. I mean, that's kind of, that's just the way we are. We appraise rather than praise. Women are good at it. They're natural at it. They're used to it. The problem with women sometimes is they'll praise God in worship and then they'll go out and not live for Him. But that's another story for another time because they're natural praisers. Men have trouble stepping across that threshold for the first time, breaking out and actually worshiping and praising God because we see that maybe it's not manly. Maybe it's not the way that men should act. But let me tell you something. When a man finally breaks loose and praises God... I don't think there's a woman in the world that can hold a candle to a man who really praises God. There's something powerful in that. In fact, they even, they even tell us that your kids, men, will learn to worship and praise God the way you worship and praise God. Male or female, your sons and your daughters will praise God more like you do than like your wife does. There's something powerful when a man praises God. And some of the greatest worshipers in the Bible, some of the greatest praisers in the Bible were men. Think about David. Ark is coming in. The Ark of the, of the Covenant's about to be brought in. And David's dancing before the Lord. And he gets criticized for it. And he says, look, I'm about to become even more undignified than this. I'm going to praise God to an even higher level. I don't care what you think. I'm here to praise Him. Paul and Silas in jail at the midnight hour, locked in prison. Not a good thing in the world going on. From the world's point of view, got more reason to curse God than to praise Him. And yet they praise Him and everything shakes loose because they're praising Him in the midst of their storm. Group in the Old Testament in the Psalms called Sons of Korah. If you study their background, man, their family was terrible. But they grew up and they grew out of that. And these men learned to write great worship songs to God. The Levites knew how to praise God. When a man breaks loose and finally decides he's going to praise God, there's power in that. There's good in that. And some of you guys who are afraid to do it, you ought to try it sometime. It's fun. I enjoy it. 
I said, I'm right down here, usually right in here on the front, and I don't care if you like what I do or not. If I raise my hand or if I spread my hands wide or if I cry or if I stand up and shout, I don't care. I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for God. I'm praising Him. Such power in that. But going back to my experience when I was 19 years old, God called me to praise Him. And for the first time, I don't know, probably the first time in my life, I stood up. And I raised both of my hands to God. And I closed my eyes. And I sang out the song that we were singing to the top of my voice. And I decided I would praise Him. I could feel the whole youth group looking at me. All the leaders looking at me. Everybody in the section looking at me. I didn't care. I was going to praise Him. And then something amazing happened that I'll never forget. The Spirit of God fell on me. Right there. Right there in Cincinnati, Ohio. Right there in that youth convention. The Spirit of God fell on me, and I will never forget how it felt. Never. If I live to be 100 years old, I will never forget how that felt. It felt like wave after wave after wave of electricity, of God's love just being poured out on me. And I was raising my hands, and I had my eyes closed, and I felt the Holy Spirit come on me like a flood. And I just, man, I couldn't believe what was happening. I opened my eyes, and when I looked out, I could see the Holy Spirit. And I've never had this happen before or since, but I could see the Holy Spirit like a mist in that room. I could see him all over. And I, man, he was just on me in a new way and in a powerful way. And then the worship leader said, I want you to guys, I want a guy to get with a guy and a girl to get with a girl. And I want you to pair up and I want you to pray for each other. And the Holy Spirit was on me. And I went to pray for one of my friends. And when I reached my hand down and I put my hand on his shoulder, I felt the Holy Spirit move down my arm and into this young man's body. And at that very second, tears started flowing out of his eyes. And I thought, wow, this is real. This is real. This isn't my imagination. This isn't something made up. This is the power of God. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. And look, that's been a long time ago since I was 19 years old. Been, been a while. And I have never forgotten it. I've never forgotten how I felt. In fact, we were getting on a bus to come from Cincinnati all the way back to Asheboro. And I got on that bus, and I sat in the back of that bus, and the Lord was still on me in a way that I'll never forget. And I sat back there just, I couldn't talk. I couldn't say anything. I couldn't think about anything else. It's a seven-hour ride back from Cincinnati, and I didn't think about anything else. I didn't talk to anybody. I was just in the Lord's presence. But I do remember looking around at the people around me, and they were joking and laughing and going on their normal business, and I thought, how in the world did y'all miss that? How did y'all miss that? Because your life might be the same, but mine's never going to be the same after this. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with His power. I was there. I had Him. I was a Christian since I was eight years old. June 8th, 1988, almost 30 years ago, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I had Him. I was marked by Him. He was in my life. But it was a whole different story when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I came back in the Sunday school class that I was teaching, went from about five or six kids to about 30 kids. And then I started preaching and people said, the Lord is on you. I had one of the men I respected the most in the world say, God's got His hand on you. Churches started opening their doors for me to, to come in and preach. Eventually, I got a church, and God has just worked in my life ever since that moment. And look, I'm not telling you that I live in that sort of euphoria, and I'm not telling you that I feel His presence every second of every day like that, 
but He is constantly with me. And I go back to that place sometimes and I think, even if, I have, if I'm tempted to doubt, if I'm tempted to be weak, if I'm tempted to give up, I know what God did there. I know what He did in my life there. And I came by here this morning to tell you what He did for me, He wants to do for you. He wants to fill you with His Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you to the uttermost. Man, if some of you guys would get filled with the Holy Spirit, if we had ten people, ten people in this church to get filled with the Holy Spirit, it would set this place on fire. If we had more people in this church filled with the Holy Spirit, we'd have more people in this church. Because you would be out constantly telling people how great God is, how wonderful He is. You'd have victory over the sins that you can't get victory over right now. You would have joy in your life. King David said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Some of you walk around like your bottom lip is trying to tie your shoelace. I mean, you just look sad as you can be. Even people walking in the church, I'm here, you know. You would have joy. You'd want to come worship. Oh, I'm going to say it. Because we already quoted the verse this morning. The beer party on Friday and Saturday night would not look as appealing to you as it does right now. And Sunday morning worship would look a whole lot more appealing. You wouldn't be able to wait to get in here. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of God. I was happy to come in and worship. It ain't, oh... Can I drag my carcass out of bed this morning and get to church? No, I want to come worship. We get to worship. We got a new song on the screen today. Oh, a new song? I don't know this. It's, all right, a new song. I get to sing a new song to him today. You're excited about it. You're happy about it. Your neighbors will notice a difference. Your spouse will notice a difference. Your kids will notice a difference. If you'll get filled with the Holy Spirit, some of you called in the ministry, and to do the ministry that God is calling you to do, you're going to have to be filled with the Spirit. You can't do it in your strength. You will fail. As the old song says, the arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. You're not strong enough, but with the Spirit, you're strong enough. Man, Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. We need it so bad. We need Him so bad. I was in a meeting yesterday. We're talking about the gospel gap. What the gospel gap is, is that American population is growing faster than the church is growing. We're losing ground. And we're talking about how to close the gospel gap. And we talked about all these different things. And I thought, I'll tell you what will close that gap. Get some Christians, get some believers filled with the Holy Spirit. You ain't going to have to make a plan. You ain't going to have to make a system. You're not going to have to make a program. Get some believers filled with the Holy Spirit. That will close that gap. You want to see this church filled to the brim and running over and full of joy? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Give me ten of y'all that are filled with the Holy Spirit, and we'll change this whole town. We'll change this whole town. We'll change this whole county. We'll change central North Carolina. We'll change the world if we can get about ten of y'all filled with the Holy Spirit. I'll take twenty. I'll take thirty-two because I know that's what God wants. He wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Worship team's going to come up here and going to lead us in a, in a final song. It's actually a medley. Really great song, but I don't want you to pay so much attention to the song this morning. I want to tell you, if you believe that you need more power, if you believe that you need more joy, if you believe that you need to be set free from some things, all you have to do is ask. That's the good news. Our God is a good Father. He wants for you, if you want the Holy Spirit, He wants the same thing for you. He wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants you to experience Him in a new way. And so this morning I'm going to ask you to stand, but I'm going to ask you, go ahead and stand if you will.
But I'm going to ask, if you want the Holy Spirit, if you want more of God, just a minute, I'm going to ask you to come up here and pray and seek Him. And you might say, well, Brent, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, but I, I don't feel like I used to. The great preacher Dwight L. Moody it was always constantly being pr praying, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. And his friend asked him one day, he said, Dwight, why do you keep praying for God to fill you with the Holy Spirit? Hasn't he done it yet? And Dwight L. Moody said, yes, he has filled me with the Holy Spirit, but sometimes I leak. And we're like that a lot of times. Maybe you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been anointed. Maybe you've experienced His power, but maybe you haven't kept it up to date. Maybe you've let this world take away your joy. Maybe you've let the stresses of life come up and rob you of some things that God has given you. Maybe you need to come get it back. Maybe you need to seek a fresh anointing from Him this morning. So my altar call to you is this. And I want you to move just as soon as you want to. My altar call to you is this. Do you need more of God? Do you need more of His Spirit? Do you need to be more filled with the Holy Spirit than you are? Maybe you have Him in your life, but do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit to the overflow where it flows onto other people, where it flows into this world, and where it changes eternity? Come and seek Him. Come and pray. Come and ask. He will do it because He's a good Father. And that's what good fathers do for their children. Come and receive the power of the Holy Spirit. I invite you this morning, sing yes, but come and pray.